0: Part 8. Section 2 of A Christmas Miscellany, 2019, by various authors. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 8. Holiday Tales, Christmas in the Adirondacks, How John Norton the Trapper Kept His Christmas, by William Henry Harrison Murray. Section 2. 3 at the same moment the rifle sounded two men the trapper with his pack and wild bill with his sled heavily loaded were descending the western slope of the mountain not a mile from the clearing in which stood the lonely cabin the sound of the piece brought them to a halt as quickly as if the bullet had cut through the air in front of their faces for several minutes both stood in the attitude of listening down into the snow with ye pups exclaimed the trapper in a hoarse whisper down into the snow with ye i say rover if ye you lift your muzzle again i'll warm ye back with the ramrod by the lord bill the buck is coming this way you can see his horns lift above the little balsams as he breaks through the thicket yonder if he strikes the runway he'll certainly come within range and the old trapper slipped his arms from the pack and lowering it to the earth sank on his knees beside it where he waited as motionless as if the breath had departed his body onward came the game as the trapper had suggested the buck with mighty and far-reaching bounds cleared the shrubby obstruction and entering the runway tore up the familiar path with the violence of a tornado onward he came his head flung upward his antlers laid well back tongue lolling from his mouth and his nostrils smoking with the hot breaths that burst in streaming columns from them not until his swift career had brought him exactly in front of his position did the old man stir a muscle but then quick as the motion of the leaping game his rifle jumped to his cheek and even as the buck was at the central point of his leap and suspended in the air the piece cracked sharp and clear and the deer stricken to his death fell with a crash to the ground the quivering hounds rose to their feet and bayed long and deep Wild Bill swung his hat and yelled, and for a moment the woods rang with the wild cries of dogs and man. What a messy bill! What a mouth you have when you open it! Exclaimed the trapper as he leisurely poured the powder into the still smoking barrel. Between you and the pups, it's enough to drive a man crazy. I should certainly think I'd never see a deer shot for by the way of be actin' i've seen a good many as you know john norton but i never saw one tumbled over by a single bullet when at the very top of his jump as that one was i certainly thought you had waited too long and i wouldn't have given a cent for your chances when you pulled it was a wonderful shot john norton and i would take just such another tramp as i have had to see you do it again old man it oh, wasn't bad returned the trapper no it sartinly wasn't bad for he was a goin' as if the old harry was ordering him i shouldn't wonder if he had felt the tetch of lead down there in the holler and the smart of his hurt kept him flying let's go and look him over and see if we can't find the markings of the bullet in him in a moment the two stood above the dead deer it is as I thought," said the trapper as he pointed with his ramrod to a stain of blood on one of the hams of the buck. The bullet drove through his thigh here, but it didn't touch the bone and was a sheer waste of lead. For it only sawed him goin' like an arrer Bell, I certainly doubt. Continued the old man as he measured the noble animal with his eye. I certainly doubt if I ever seed a bigger deer. There's seven prongs on his horns, and I'll bet a horn of powder agin a chargeful that he'd weigh three hundred pounds as he lies. Look what a Christmas gift he'll be for the woman. The skin will make a blanket fit for a queen to sleep under, and the meat judiciously cured for will last her all winter we must manage to get it to the edge of the clearing anyhow or the wolves might make free with our medicine bill your sled is a strong un and it'll bear the load if you go keerful the trapper and his companions set themselves to their task with the energy of men accustomed to surmount every obstacle and in a short half-hour the sled with its double loading stopped at the door of the lonely cabin i don't understand this wild bill said the trapper ere be a woman's tracks in the snow and the door be left a leetle ajar but there's no smoke in the chimney and they certainly ain't very noisy inside i'll just give a knock or two and see if they be stirrin'. and suiting the action to the word he knocked long and loud on the large door but to his noisy summons there came no response and without a moment of farther hesitation he shoved open the door and entered god a mercy wild bill exclaimed the trapper look in here a huge room dimly litted, holes in the roof here and there a heap of snow on the floor an immense fireplace with no fire in it and a group of scared wild-looking children huddled together in the farther corner like young and timid animals that had fled in a fright from the nest where they had slept at some fearful intrusion that is what the trapper saw I whatever wild bill was about to say his astonishment and we may add his pity were too profound for him to complete his ejaculation don't ye be a fair little ones said the trapper as he advanced into the centre of the room to survey more fully the wretched place this be christmas morn and me and wild bill and the pups a come over the mountain to wish ye all a merry christmas but where be your mother queried the old man as he looked kindly at the startled group we don't know where she is answered the older of the two girls we thought she was in bed with us till you woke us we don't know where she has gone i have it i have it wild bill exclaimed the trapper whose eyes had been busy scanning the place while talking with the children the rifle be gone from the hangins and the tracks in the snow be earned. yes yes i see it all she went out in hope of getting the little ones here something to eat and that was her rifle we heard and her bullet made that hole in the ham of the buck what a disappointment to the poor creature when she sees she hadn't hit him her heart in a must broke i dare say but the lord was in it leastways he didn't go again the proper shape of things arterwards come bill let's stir round lively and get the shanty in shape a leetle and the victuals on the table afore she comes yes get out your axe and slash into that dead beech at the corner of the cabin while i sorter clean up inside a fires the first thing on such a mornin as this so scurry round bill and bring in the wood as if you was a good deal in earnest. and do ye cut to the measure of the fireplace and don't waste your time in shorten it for the longer the fireplace the longer the wood that is if you want to make it a heater his companion obeyed with alacrity and by the time the trapper had cleaned out the snow and swept down the soot from the sides of the fireplace and put things partially to rights bill had stacked the dry logs into the huge opening nearly to the upper jamb and with the help of some large sheets of birch-bark kindled them to a flame come here little ones said the trapper as he turned his good-natured face toward the children come here and put your little feet on the hearth-frung for tis warmin and i can see your toes be about freezing." it was not in the power of children to withstand the attraction of such an invitation extended with such a hearty voice and such benevolence of feature the children came promptly forward and stood in a row on the great stone and warmed their little shivering bodies by the abundant flames now little folks said the trapper just get yourselves well warmed then get on what clothes you got and we'll have some breakfast Yes, we'll have some breakfast ready by the time your mother gets back, for I know where she be gone, and she'll be hungry and cold when she gets in. I don't conceit that this little chap here can help much, but ye girls be big enough to help a good deal. So when ye be warm, do ye put away the bed to the furthest corner, and shove out the table in front of the fire and put on the dishes, such as ye have, and be smart about it too, for your mother will startin'ly be comin' soon, and we must be ahead of her with the cookin. What a change the next half-hour made in the appearance of the cabin. The huge fire sent its heat to the farthest corner of the great room. The miserable bed had been removed out of sight, and the table, drawn up in front of the fire, was set with the needed dishes. On the hearthstone, a large platter of venison steak, broiled by the trapper's skill, simmered in the heat a mighty pile of cakes brown to a turn flanked one side while a stack of potatoes baked in the ashes supported the other the teapot sent forth its refreshing odor through the room the children with their faces washed and hair partially at least combed ran about with bare feet on the warm floor comfortable and happy to them it was as a beautiful dream the breakfast was ready, and the visitors sat waiting for the coming of her, to whose assistance the angel of Christmas Eve had sent them. "'Shh!' whispered the trapper, whose quick ear had caught the sound of a dragging step in the snow. "'She's coming!' Too weary and faint, too sick at heart and exhausted in body, to observe the unaccustomed signs of human presence around her dwelling, the poor woman dragged herself to the door and opened it. The gun she still held in her hand fell rattling to the floor, and with eyes wildly opened, she gazed bewildered at the spectacle. The blazing fire, the set table, the food on the hearthstone, the smiling children, the two men. She passed her hands across her eyes as one waking from sleep. Was she dreaming? Was this cabin the miserable hut she had left at daybreak? was that the same fireplace in front of whose cold and cheerless recess she had crouched the night before and were those two strangers there men or were they angels was what she saw real or was it only a fevered vision born of her weakness her senses actually reeled to and fro and she trembled for a moment on the verge of unconsciousness Indeed, the shock was so overwhelming that in another instant she would have swooned and fallen to the floor, had not the growing faintness been checked by the sound of a human voice. "'A merry Christmas to ye, my good woman,' said the trapper. "'A merry Christmas to ye and yourn.' The woman started as the hearty tones fell on her ear, and steadying herself by the door, she said, speaking as one partially dazed, are you john newton the trapper or are you an eh yeah, i needn't sigh it again interrupted the old man yes i'm old john norton himself nothing better and nothing worse and the man in the chair here by my side is wild bill and you couldn't make an angel out of him if you tried from now till next christmas yes my good woman i'm john norton and this is wild bill and we've come over the mountain to wish you a merry christmas ye and your little ones and help you keep the day and ye see we've been stirring a little in your absence and breakfast be waitin', while bill and me will just go out and cut a little more wood while ye warm and wash yourself and when ye be ready to eat ye may call us and we'll see which can get into the house first. so saying the trapper followed by his companion passed out of the door while the poor woman without a word moved toward the fire and casting one look at her children at the table at the food on the hearthstone dropped on her knees by a chair and buried her face in her hands i say said wild bill to the trapper as he crept softly away from the door to which he had returned to shut it more closely i say john norton the woman is on her knees by a chair very likely very likely returned the old man reverently and then he began to chop vigorously at a huge log with his back toward his comrade perhaps some of you who read this tale will come some time when weary and heartsick, to something drearier than an empty house some bleak cold day some lonely morn and with a starving heart and benumbed soul ay and empty-handed too enter in only to find it swept and garnished and what you most needed and longed for waiting for you then will you too drop upon your knees and cover your face with your hands ashamed that you had murmured against the hardness of your lot or forgotten the goodness of him who suffered you to be tried only that you might more fully appreciate the triumph my good woman said the trapper when the breakfast was eaten we've come as we said to spend the day with you and according to custom and a pleasant un be for sartin we've brought you some presents a good many of em come from him who called on ye as he and me passed through the lake last fall i dare say ye remember him and he sartinly has remembered ye for last evenin when i was makin up a leetle pack to bring ye myself for i conceded i had better come over and spend the day with ye while bill came to my door with the box on his sled that the boy had sent him from his home in the city and in the box he had put a great many presents for him and me and in the lower half of the box he put a good many presents for ye and your little ones and we brought them all over with us some of the things be for eatin and some of em be for wearin and that there may be no misunderstanding i would say that all the things that be in the back basket there and all the things that be on the sled too belong to you and as i see the wood-pile isn't a very big un for this time of the year bell and me be going out to settle our breakfast a little with the axes and while we be gone i can see ye'd better rummage the things over and uh, them that be good for eatin ye'd better put in the cupboard and them that be good for wearin ye'd better put on yourself and your leetle ones and then we'll all be ready to make a fair start for this be christmas day and we be goin to keep it as it orter be kept. if we've had sorrers we'll forget em and we'll laugh and eat and be merry for this be christmas my good woman children this be christmas wild bill my boy this be christmas and Pops, this be christmas and we'll all laugh and eat and be merry the joyfulness of the old man was contagious his happiness flowed over as waters flow over the rim of a fountain wild bill laughed as he seized his axe the woman rose from the table smiling the girls giggled the little boys stamped and the hounds catching the spirit of their merry master swung their tails round and bayed in canine gladness and amid the joyful uproar the old trapper spun himself out of the door and chased wild bill through the snow like a boy The dinner was to be served at two o'clock, and what a dinner it was, and what preparations preceded. The snow had been shoveled from around the cabin, the holes in the roof roughly but effectually thatched. A good pile of wood was stacked in front of the doorway. The spring that bubbled from the bank had been cleared of ice, and a protection constructed over it. The huge buck had been dressed and hung high above the reach of wolves cedar and balsam branches had been placed in the corners and along the sides of the room great sprays of the tasselled pine and the feathery tamarack were suspended from the ceiling the table had been enlarged and extra seats extemporized the long unused oven had been cleaned out and under its vast dome the red flames flashed and rolled upward what a change a few hours had brought to that lonely cabin and its wretched inmates the woman dressed in her new garments her hair smoothly combed her face lighted with smiles looked positively comely the girls happy in their fine clothes and marvellous toys danced round the room wild with delight while the little boy strutted about the floor in his new boots proudly showing them to each person for the hundredth time the hostess's attention was equally divided between the temperature of the oven and the adornment of the table a snow-white sheet one of a dozen she had found in the box was drafted peremptorily into service and did duty as a tablecloth oh the innocent and funny makeshifts of poverty and the goodly distance it can make a little go perhaps some of us as we stand in our rich dining-rooms and gaze with pride at the silver the gold the cut glass and the transparent china can recall a little kitchen in a homely house far away where our good mothers once set their tables for their guests and what a brave show the few extra dishes made when they brought them out on the rare festive days However it might strike you, fair reader, to the poor woman and her guest there was nothing incongruous in a sheet serving as a tablecloth. Was it not white and clean and properly shaped? And would it not have been a tablecloth if it hadn't been a sheet? How very nice and particular some people can be over the trifling matter of a name! and this sheet had no right to be a sheet since any one with half an eye could see at a glance that it was predestined from the first to be a tablecloth for it sat as smoothly on the wooden surface as pious looks on a deacon's face while the easy and nonchalant way it draped itself at the corners was perfectly jaunty the edges of this square of white sheeting that had thus providentially found its true and predestined use were ornamented with the leaves of the wild myrtle stitched on in the form of scallops in the centre with a brave show of artistic skill were the words merry christmas prettily worked with the small brown combs of the pines this the joint product of wild bill's industry and the woman's taste commanded the enthusiastic admiration of all and even the little boy from the height of a chair into which he had climbed was profoundly affected by the show it made the trapper had charge of the meat department and it is safe to say that no delmonico could undertake to serve venison in greater variety than did he to him it was a grand occasion and in a culinary sense he rose grandly to meet it what bosom is without its little vanities and shall we laugh at the dear old man because he looked upon the opportunity before him with feeling other than pure benevolence even of complacency that what he was doing was being done as no one else could do it there was venison roasted and venison broiled and venison fried there was hashed venison and venison spitted there was a side dish of venison sausage strong with the odour of sage and slightly dashed with wild thyme and a huge kettle of soup on whose rich creamy surface pieces of bread and here and there a slice of potato floated i tell you bill said the trapper to his companion, as he stirred the soup with the long ladle, its pot is actually run it over with taters, but you can see a bit occasionally if you look sharp and keep the ladle goin round pretty lively now, the taters ain't over plenty continued the old man, peering into the pot and sinking his voice to a whisper, but there wasn't but fifteen in the bag, and the woman took twelve of them for her kittle. and you can't make three taters look actually crowded and two gallons of soup, can you, Bill? And the old man punched that personage in the ribs with the thumb of the hand that was free from service, while he kept the ladle going with the other. "'Lord!' exclaimed the trapper, speaking to Bill, who, having taken a look into the old man's kettle, was digging his knuckles into his eyes to free them from the spray that was jetted into them from the fountains of mirth within, that were now in full play. Lord, if there in another piece of tater gone all to pieces. Bill, if I make another circle with the ladle, there won't be a whole slice left, and you'll swear there wasn't a tater in the soup.' and the two men with their faces within twenty inches laughed and laughed like boys how sweet it is to think that when the maker set up this strange instrument we call ourselves and strung it for service he selected of the heavy chords so few and of the lighter ones so many some muffled ones there are some slow and solemn sounds swell sadly forth at intervals but blessed be god that we are so easily tickled and the world is so funny that within it even when exiled from home and friends we find as the days come and go the causes and occasions of hilarity wild bill had been placed in charge of the liquids what a satire there is in circumstances and how those of today laugh at those of yesterday yes wild bill had charge of the liquids no mean charge, when the occasion is considered. Nor was the position without its embarrassments, as few honourable positions are, for it brought him face to face with the problem of the day, dishes, for between the two cooks of the occasion every dish in the cabin had been brought into requisition, and poor Bill was left in the predicament of having to make tea and coffee with no pots to make them in. But Bill was not lacking in wit, if he was in pots, and he solved the conundrum how to make tea without a teapot in a manner that extorted the woman's laughter and commanded the old trapper's admiration. In ransacking the lofts above the apartment he had lighted on several large stone jugs, which with the courage, shall we call it the audacity, of genius, he had seized upon, and having thoroughly rinsed them and freed them from certain odours, with which we are free to say Bill was more or less familiar, he brought them forward as substitutes for kettle and pot. Indeed, they worked admirably, for in them the berry and the leaves might not only be properly steeped, but the flavour could be retained beyond what it might in many of our famous and high-sounding patented articles." but bill while ingenious and courageous to the last degree was lacking in education especially in scientific directions he had never been made acquainted with that great promoter of modern civilization the expansive properties of steam the corks he had whittled out for his bravely extemporized tea and coffee-pots were of the closest fit and as they had been inserted with the energy of a man who having conquered a serious difficulty is determined to reap the full benefit of his triumph there was at least no danger that the flavor of the concoctions would escape through any leakage at the muzzle having thus prepared them for steeping he placed the jugs in his corner of the fireplace and pushed them well up through the ashes to the live coals "'Wile, wow, Bill,' said the trapper, who wished to give his companion the needed warning in as delicate and easy a manner as possible, while wow, Bill, you've certainly got the right idea touching the makin' of tea and coffee, for the yarb should be steeped, and the berry too, leastwise arter it's biled up once or twice, and therefore it be only reasonable that the nozzles should be closed moderately tight.' but a man wants considerable experience in the business or he's likely to overdo it just a leetle and if you don't cut some slots in them wooden corks you're drivin them into nozzles bill there'll be a good deal of tea and coffee floatin round in your corner of the fireplace afore many minutes and i can see there'll be a man about your size lookin for a couple of corks and pieces of jugs out there in the clarin too "'Do you think so?' answered Bill, incredulously. "'Don't you be scared, old man, but keep on stirrin' your soup and turnin' the meat, and I'll keep my eye on the bottles.' Uh, "'That's right, Bill,' returned the trapper. "'You yeah, keep your eye right on em, especially on that un that's furthest in toward the bottom of the beach-log there, for if there's any about to in signs, that jug be gettin' uneasy.' yes continued the old man after a minute's pause during which his eye hadn't left the jug yes that jug will want more room for many minutes if i'm any jedge and i concede i'd better give it the biggest part of the fireplace and the trapper hastily moved the soup and his half-dozen plates of cooked meats to the other end of the hearthstone, whither he retired himself, like one who, feeling that he is called upon to contend with unknown forces, wisely beats a retreat. He even put himself behind a stack of wood that lay piled up in his corner, like one who does not despise, in a sudden emergency, an artificial protection. "'Bill?' called the trapper edge around a little uh, edge round and get in closer to the jam it's sheer foolishness standing where you be for the water will be walloping in a minute and if the corks be swelled in the nozzle there'll be an explosion Cut in toward the jam and watch the ambushment under kiver old man answered bill as he turned his back carelessly toward the fireplace i've got the bearings of this trail and i know what i'm about THE JUGS ARE AS STRONG AS IRON KITTLES, AND I AIN'T AFRAID OF THEIR BUST. BILL NEVER FINISHED THE SENTENCE, FOR THE EXPLOSION PREDICTED BY THE TRAPPER OCCURRED. IT WAS A TREMENDOUS ONE, AND THE HUGE FIREPLACE WAS FILLED WITH FLYING BRANDS, ASHES, AND CLOUDS OF STEAM. THE TRAPPER DUCKED HIS HEAD, THE WOMAN SCREAMED, AND THE hounds RUSHED HOWLING TO THE FARTHEST END OF THE ROOM, WHILE BILL, WITH HALF A somersault, DISAPPEARED UNDER THE TABLE hurrah shouted the trapper lifting his head from behind the wood and critically surveying the scene hurrah bill he shouted as he swung the ladle over his head come out from under the table and man your battery again Your old mortars was loaded to the muzzle and if you had to press the pieces a little you'd have uh, blowed the cabin to splinters as it was the chimney got the biggest part of the chargin', and you'll find your rammers on the other side of the mountain It was, in truth, a scene of uproarious hilarity, for once the explosion was over, and the women and children saw there was no danger, and apprehended the character of the performance, they joined unrestrainedly in the trapper's laughter, in which they were assisted by Wild Bill, as if he were not the victim of his own overconfidence. "'I say, old trapper,' he called from under the table, "'did both guns go off?' i was getting under cover when the battery opened and didn't notice whether the firing was in sections or along the whole line if there's a piece left i think i will stay where i am for i am in good position to observe the range and watch the effect of the shot i say hadn't you better get behind the woodpile again no no interrupted the trapper all battery went at the word bill and then a gun or a gun carriage left in the casement you have wasted a gill of the yarb and a quarter of a pound of the berry, and you must hurry up with another outfit of bottles, or we'll have nothing but water to drink at the dinner. The dinner, that great event of the day, the crown and diadem to its royalty, and which became it so well, was ready promptly to the hour. The table, enlarged as it was to nearly double its original dimensions, could scarcely accommodate the abundance of the feast, ah if some sweet power could only enlarge our hearts when on festive days we enlarge our tables how many of the world's poor that now go hungry while we feast would then be fed at one end of the table sat the trapper wild bill at the other the woman's chair was at the centre of one of the sides so that she sat facing the fire, whose generous flames might well symbolize the abundance which amid cold and hunger had so suddenly come to her. On her right hand the two girls sat, on her left the boy. A goodly table, a goodly fire, and a goodly company, what more could the angel of Christmas ask to see? Thus were they seated, ready to begin the repast but the place remained untouched and the happy noises which had to that moment filled the cabin ceased for the angel of silence with noiseless step had suddenly entered the room there's a silence of grief there's a silence of hatred there's a silence of dread of these men may speak and these they can describe but the silence of our happiness who can describe that when the heart is full when the long longing is suddenly met when love gives to love abundantly when the soul lacketh nothing and is content then language is useless and the angel of silence becomes our only adequate interpreter a humble table surely and humble folk around it but not in the houses of the rich or the palaces of kings does gratitude find her only home but in more lowly abodes and with lowly folk, aye, and often at the scant table, too, she sitteth a perpetual guest. Was it memory? Did the trapper at that brief moment visit his absent friend? Did Wild Bill recall his wayward past? Were the thoughts of the woman busy with sweet scenes of earlier days? and in memory by thus reminding them of the absent and the past of the sweet things that had been and were stir within their hearts thoughts of him from whom all gifts descend and of his blessed son in whose honour the day was named o memory thou tuneful bell that ringeth on for ever friend at our feasts and a friend too let us call thee at our burial what music can equal thine for in thy mystic globe all tunes abide the birthday note for kings the marriage-peal the funeral knell the gleeful jingle of merry mirth and those sweet chimes that float our thoughts like fragrant ships upon a fragrant sea toward heaven all are thine RING ON, THOU TUNEFUL BELL, RING ON WHILE THESE GLAD EARS MAY DRINK THY MELODY, AND WHEN THY CHIMES ARE HEARD BY ME NO MORE, RING ALOUD AND CLEAR ABOVE MY GRAVE THAT PEAL WHICH ECHOES TO THE HEAVENS AND TELLS THE WORLD OF IMMORTALITY, THAT THEY WHO COME TO MOURN MAY CHECK THEIR TEARS AND SAY, WHY DO WE WEEP? HE LIVETH STILL the lord be praised for his goodness said the trapper whose thoughts unconsciously broke into speech the lord be praised for his goodness and make us grateful for his past marcies and the plenty that be here and looking down upon the viands spread before him he added the lord be good to the boy and make him as happy in his city home as they who be wearin and eatin his gifts in the woods amen said the woman softly and a grateful tear fell on her plate ahem said wild bill and then looking down upon his warm suit he lifted his voice and bringing it out in a clear strong tone said amen hit or miss at many a table that day more formal grace was said by priest and layman alike and at many a table by lips of old and young response was given to the benediction but we doubt if over all the earth a more honest grace was said or more honestly assented to than the lord heard from the cabin in the woods the feast and the merry-making now began the old trapper was in his best mood and fairly bubbled over with humour the wit of wild bill was naturally keen and it flashed at its best as he ate the children stuffed and laughed as only children on such an elastic occasion can and, as for the poor woman, it was impossible for her, in the midst of such a scene, to be otherwise than happy, and she joined modestly in the conversation, and laughed heartily at the witty sallies. But why should we strive to put on paper the wise, the funny, and the pleasant things that were said, the exclamation, the laughter, the story, the joke, the verbal thrust and parry of such an occasion? these springing from the centre of the circumstance and flashed into being at the instant cannot be preserved for after rehearsal like the effervescence of champagne they jet and are gone their force passes away with the noise that accompanied its outcoming is it not enough to record that the dinner was a success that the trapper's meats were put upon the table in a manner worthy of his reputation that the woman's efforts at pastry-making were generously applauded and that wild bill's tea and coffee were pronounced by the hostess the best she had ever tasted perhaps no meal was ever more enjoyed as certainly none was ever more heartily eaten the wonder and pride of the table was the pudding a creation of Indian meal, flour, suet, and raisins, reinforced and assisted by innumerable spicy elements supposed to be too mysterious to be grasped by the masculine mind. In the production of this wonderful centerpiece, for it had been unanimously voted the place of honor, the poor woman had summoned all the latent resources of her skill, and in reference to it her pride and fear contended, while the anxiety, with which she rose to serve it was only too plainly depicted on her countenance. What if it should prove a failure? What if she had made a miscalculation as to the amount of suet required, a point upon which she had been somewhat confused? What if the raisins were not sufficiently distributed? What if it wasn't done through, and should turn out pasty? Great heavens! The last thought was of so overwhelming a character that no feminine courage could encounter it who may describe the look with which she watched the trapper as he tasted it or the expression of relief which brightened her anxious face when he pronounced warmly in its favour it's a wonderful bit of cookin', he said addressing himself to wild bill and i certainly doubt if there be anything in the settlements to-day that can equal it there be just enough of the suet, and there be a plum for every mouthful, and it's solid enough to stay in the mouth until you've had time to chew it, and get a taste of the corn, and I wouldn't give a cent for a puddin' if it gets away from your teeth fast. Yes, it be a wonderful bit of cooking, and turning to the woman, he added, you'd be well proud of it. What higher praise could be bestowed? and as it was re-echoed by all present and plate after plate was passed for a second filling the dinner came to an end with the greatest good feeling and hilarity now for the sled exclaimed the trapper as he rose from the table it be a good many years since i've straddled one but nothing settles a dinner quicker or suits the leetle folks better i can see the crust be thick enough to bear us up and if it is we can fetch a course from the upper edge of the clearin' fifty rods into the lake come chillin', get on your mittens and your tippets and hist along to the big pine and you shall have some fun you won't forget until your heads be wider than mine it is needless to record that the children hailed with delight the proposition of the trapper or that they were at the appointed spot long before the speaker and his companion reached it with the sled "'Wile, Bill,' said the trapper, as they stood on the crest of the slope down which they were to glide, "'the cross be smooth as glass, and the hill be a steepen. I certainly doubt a mortal man ever rode faster than this that'll be goin'. by the time it gets to where the bank pitches into the lake. If you should get a little careless in your steering, Bill, and hit a stump, I conceit that nothin' but the help of the Lord, or the rottenness of the stump, could save you from eternity.' now wild bill was blessed with a sanguine temperament to him no obstacle seemed serious if bravely faced indeed his natural confidence in himself bordered on recklessness to which the drinking habits of his life had perhaps contributed when the trapper had finished speaking bill ran his eye carelessly down the steep hillside smooth and shiny as polished steel and said oh this isn't anything extry for a hill i've steered a good many steeper ones and in nights when the moon was at the half and the sled overloaded at that it don't make any difference how fast you go he added if you only keep in the path and don't hit anything that's it that's it replied the trapper but the trouble here be to keep in the path for in the first place there isn't any path and the sums be pretty thick, and a doubt if you can line a trail from here to the bank by the lake without one or more sudden twists in it, and a twist in the trail, going as fast as we'll be going, has got to be taken judiciously, or something will happen. I say, Bill, what pint will you steer for?' Wild Bill, thus addressed, proceeded to give his opinion touching the proper direction of the flight they were to make indeed he had been closely examining the ground while the trapper was speaking and therefore gave his opinion promptly and with confidence you have chosen the course with judgment said the old man approvingly after he had studied the line his companion pointed out critically for a moment yes bill you have a natural eye for the business and i certainly have more confidence in you than i had a minute ago when you was talking about a steeper hill than this "'for this hill drops mighty sudden in the pitches, "'and the crust be smooth as ice, "'and the sled'll go like a streak when it gets started. "'But the course you've pointed out be a good un, "'for there be only one bad turn in it, "'and good steerin' are to put a sled round that.' "'I say,' continued the old man, "'turning toward his companion, "'and pointing out the crook in the course "'at the bottom of the second dip, "'can you swing around that big stump there "'without upsetting when ye come to it?' "'Swing around?' "'Of course I can,' retorted Bill positively. "'There's plenty of room to the left Ay, uh, ay, uh, there be plenty of room, as you say, "'if you don't take too much of it,' interrupted the trapper. "'But I tell you, broke in the other, "'I'll turn my back to no man in steering a sled, "'and I can put this sled and you on it "'around that stump a hundred times, "'and never lift a runner.' Well, well, responded the trapper, I've it your way. I dare say ye be good at steerin', and I certainly know I'm good at ridin', and I can ride as fast as you can steer if you hit every stump in the clearin'. Now, children, continued the old man, turning to the little group, we be going to try the course, and if the crust holds up and while Bill keeps clear of the stumps, and nothin' unusual happens, you shall have all the slidin' ye want afore ye go in come bell get your sled pinted right and i'll be getting on and we'll see if you can steer an old man round a stump as handily as you say you can the directions of the trapper were promptly obeyed and in an instant the sled was in the right position and the trapper proceeded to seat himself with the carefulness of one who feels he is embarking on a somewhat uncertain venture and has grave misgivings as to what will be the upshot of the undertaking the sled was large and strongly built and it added not a little to his comfort to feel that he could put entire confidence in the structure beneath them the sled'll hold he said to himself ep the loadin goes to the judgment. the trapper was no sooner seated than wild bill threw himself upon the sled with one leg under him and the other stretched at full length behind this was a method of steering that had come into vogue since the trapper's boyhood for in his day the steersman sat astride the sled with his feet thrust forward and steered by the pressure of either heel upon the snow hold on bill exclaimed the trapper whose eye this novel method of steering had not escaped hold on hold up a minute heavens and arth you don't mean to steer the sled with one toe do you and that too the length of a rifle-barrel wheel around and spread your legs out as you order and steer this sled in honest fashion or there'll be trouble aboard afore you get to the bottom sit around retorted bill how could i see to steer if i was sitting right back of you for you're nigh a foot taller than i be and your shoulders are as broad as the sled your yeah, pines be well taken for sartin replied the trapper there it be no more than reasonable that the man that steers should see where he be goin." "'and I am as anxious as ye be that ye should. "'Yes, I certainly want ye to see where we be going on this trip anyhow, "'for the crew be a and the channel be a little crooked, "'but be ye thartin' Bill, that ye can stretch round that stump there "'as it ought to be did with nothing but your toe out behind. "'It may be the best way, as ye say, "'but it don't look like honest steerin to a man of my years i have used both ways answered bill and i give you my word old man that this is the best one you can get a big swing with your foot stretched out in this fashion and the sled feels the least pressure of the toe yes it's all right john norton are you ready yes yes as ready as i ever shall be answered the trapper in a voice in which doubt and resignation were equally mingled it may be as you say he continued but the rudder be too fur behind to suit me and if anything happens on this cruise just remember wild bill that my judgment the sentence the trapper was uttering was abruptly cut short at this point for bill had started the sled with a sudden push and leaped to his seat behind the trapper as it glided downward and away in an instant the sled was under full headway for the dip was a sharp one and the crust smooth as ice scarce had it gone ten rods from the point where it started before it was in full flight and was gliding downward with what would have been to any but a man of the steadiest nerve a frightful velocity but the trapper was of too cool and courageous temperament to be disturbed even by actual danger indeed the swiftness of their downward career as a sled with a buzz and a roar swept along over the resounding crust stirred the old man's blood with a tingle of excitement, while the splendid manner with which Wild Bill was keeping it to the course settled upon, filled him with admiration, and was fast making him a convert to the new method of steering. Downward they flashed. The trapper's cap had been blown from his head and as the old man sat bolt upright on his sled, his feet bravely planted on the ground, his face flushed and his white hair streaming, he looked the very picture of hearty enjoyment. Above his head, the face of Wild Bill looked actually sharpened by the pressure of the air on either cheek as it clove through it, but his lips were bravely set, and his eyes were fastened without winking on the big stump ahead, toward which they were rushing.' It was at this point that Wild Bill vindicated his ability as a steersman and at the same time barely escaped shipwreck. At the proper moment he swept his foot to the left and the sled, in obedience to the pressure, swooped in that direction. But in his anxiety to give the stump a wide berth, bill overdid the pressure that was needed a trifle for in calculating the curve required he had failed to allow for the sidewise motion of the sled and instead of hitting one stump it looked for an instant as if he would be precipitated among a dozen if you're stern up wild bill up with your starn i say yelled the trapper or i won't be a stump lapped in the clearin with a quickness and courage that would have done credit to any steersman for the speed at which they were going was terrific bill swept his foot to the right leaning his body well over at the same instant the trapper instinctively seconded his endeavors and with hands that gripped either side of the sled he hung over that side which was upon the point of going into the air for several rods the sled glided along on a single runner and then riding itself with a lurch jumped the summit of the last dip and raced away like a swallow in full flight toward the lake now at the edge of the clearing that bounded the shore was a bank of considerable size shrubs and stunted bushes fringed the crest of it these had been buried beneath the snow and the crust had formed smoothly over them and as it was upheld by no stronger support than such as the hidden shrubbery furnished, it was incapable of sustaining any considerable pressure. Certainly no sled was ever moving faster than was Wild Bill's when it came to this point, and certainly no sled ever stopped quicker, for the treacherous crust dropped suddenly under it, and the sled was left with nothing but the hind part of one of the runners sticking up in sight but though the sled was suddenly checked in its career the trapper and wild bill continued their flight the former slid from the sled without meeting any obstruction and with the same velocity with which he had been moving indeed so little was his position changed that one might almost fancy that no accident had happened and that the old man was gliding forward to the end of the course with an adequate structure under him But with the latter, it was far different. For as the sled stopped, he was projected sharply upward into the air, and after turning several somersaults, he actually landed in front of the trapper and glided along on the slippery surface ahead of him. And so the two men shot onward, one after the other, while the children cackled from the hilltop, and the woman swung her bonnet over her head and laughed from her position in the doorway bill called the trapper when by dint of much effort they had managed to check their motion somewhat bill if the cruise be over i can we'd better anchor hereabouts but i shipped for the voyage and you be captain and as you've finally got the right way to steer i feel pretty safe touching the future it was not until they had come to a full stop and looked around them that they realized the distance they had come for they had, in truth, slid nearly across the bay. I've boated a good many times on these waters and under circumstances that call for earnest motion, but I certainly never went across this bay as fast as i did it today. How'd you feel, Bill? How do you feel? A good deal shaken up, was the answer, a good deal shaken up i concede as much answered the trapper i concede as much for ye left the sled with mighty little deliberation and when i saw your legs coming through the air i certainly doubted if the ice would hold ye but ye steered with judgment yes ye steered with judgment bill and i'd a set it if we'd gone to the bottom the sun was already set when they returned to the cabin for selecting a safer course they had given the children an hour's happy sliding The woman had prepared some fresh tea and a lunch which they ate with lessened appetites but with humour that never flagged when it was ended the old trapper rose to depart and with a dignity and tenderness peculiarly his own thus spoke my good woman he said the moon will soon be up and the time has come for me to be going i've had a happy day with ye and the little ones and the trail over the mountain will seem shorter as the pups and me go home. Thinkin' on it? Wild Bill will stay a few days and put things a little more to rights, and get up a woodpile that will keep you from choppin' for a good while. It's his own thought, and you can thank him accordingly. Then, having kissed each of the children and spoken a few words to Wild Bill, he took the woman's hand and said, The sorrows of life be many, but the Lord never forgets i've lived until my head be whitenin', and i've noted that though he moves slowly he fetches most things round about the time we need em and the things that be laid and comin', i see we shall get somewhere further on you didn't kill the big buck this mornin', but the meat you needed hangs in your door nevertheless and shaking the woman heartily by the hand he whistled to the hounds and passed out of the door The inmates of the cabin stood and watched him until, having climbed the slope of the clearing, he disappeared in the shadows of the forest, and then they closed the door. But more than once, while Bill noted that as the woman stood wiping her dishes, she wiped her eyes as well, and more than once he heard her say softly to herself, "'God bless the dear old man!' "'Aye, aye, poor woman, we join thee in thy prayer. God bless the dear old man!' AND NOT ONLY HIM, BUT ALL WHO DO THE DEEDS HE DID. GOD BLESS THEM, ALL AND ONE. OVER THE CRUSTED SNOW THE TRAPPER HELD HIS COURSE, UNTIL HE CAME WITH A HAPPY HEART TO HIS CABIN. SOON A FIRE WAS BURNING ON HIS OWN HEARTHSTONE, AND THE hounds WERE IN THEIR ACCUSTOMED PLACE he drew the table in front where the fire's fine light fell on his work and taking some green vines and branches from the basket began to twine a wreath one he twined and then he began another and often as he twined the fadeless branches in he paused and long and lovingly looked at the two pictures hanging on the wall and when the wreaths were twined he hung them on the frames and standing in front of the dumb reminders of his absent ones he said i miss them so ah friend dear friend when life's glad day with you and me is past when the sweet christmas chimes are rung for other ears than ours when the other hands set the green branches up and other feet glide down the polished floor may there be those still left behind to twine us wreaths and say we miss them so. And this is the way John Norton the trapper kept his Christmas. End of part eight, section two.